What's up to our sidekicks and henchmen out there in the Geek Nation? You're listening to Spoiler Alert. Spoiler. I'm your host, Johnny Destructo, and Mark underscore L underscore Miller is back, y'all. Hey, buddy. There he is. Say hi to the people. (laughs) Flash him a little something. Look at this. Woohoo! We don't know what he flashed. Oh, but I've seen one of these. Whatever it is, it's making um, bile rise in my throat. Uh, And also, Noel. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, what's up? All right, so we got a lot of books to cover this week. We're going to dive right into it, starting with Batman number 72, written by Tom King and with art by Mikhail Janin and Jorge Fornes. Uh, And this is part of. Tom King's long run. This is called Fallen the, F- the Fallen Part Three. Thank you so much. Take it away, Noel. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, I I I requested that we talk about Batman because I think there's a lot of like emotions running high about Batman. I don't know if you'd agree or disagree, Mark. Sure. Um, especially <laughs> the news that the run is going to be kind of like oddly shapen now, uh, truncated, tr- truncated as it were, or like moved on to a different series. Yes. Um. So, a couple weeks ago, maybe even months, I mentioned how much I'm really disliking all of these issues just being voiceover, (laughs) describing something, and then it's, you know, laid across a montage of Batman punching someone, beating someone, falling from something, escaping something. So, it's like this, this constant narrative device that he keeps using where the people in the story aren't doing or aren't telling the story. It's being like told omnisciently. Yeah. And it's like at the end of this, or maybe, the the or issue, maybe a poem. Someone's reading yeah, a, a poem, but, but it's, it, it invariably always is the same. It's text boxes, uh, juxtaposed to what would seem to be like a, uh, an opposite image. And then they start to line up the action and the and the narration starts to line up. And then at the end, you have a big old surprise about who's giving the narration. Mm-hmm. He has done this at least five or six times in the past, what, month? Between, yeah, <laughs> between it this feels like it. Yeah. Uh, and Heroes in Crisis. And like, it's, like it's a big surprise. I mean, we've had that last page Thomas Wayne reveal about six times now. You know, it's no, it's no uh, big surprise that Thomas Wayne is there. Like it was revealed, what, 50, um, like twenty five issues ago, twenty issues ago. Well, issue fifty is when they showed him, like hanging yeah. out behind Bane, and you're like, ooh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, the 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 um, what was it? The cliffhanger before the nightmares run, which was. Mm-hmm eight issues long. I think, honestly, I do think it was issue 62 or 63. Mm-hmm. So we've literally had 10 issues of nightmares and no <sighs> real action happen, or it doesn't even have to be action. No real momentum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is, I mean, it feels like 
Tom King, after realizing the mistake he made on issue 50 and, and just writing that horrible issue, that he's been sort of wallowing in kind of self-pity since what? then. It, I, it, I disagree. I think – so ugh. hang on. We don't feel the same way about 50. I think 50 was yeah. – a fine anniversary issue and that's how it was written it was written with splash pages and narration yeah, yeah. and it, it was like oh okay i get what they're doing and then it and then the surprise at the end was they don't get married and oh my god bane is behind everything so like yeah. for an anniversary issue i was just like okay this tracks this is kind of cool it sets up the story in a yeah, place yeah they followed I, that up with like that really really great mini arc with lee weeks and the trial but then what ever since one? wait, what was that one? Is um, that when with he went Mr. Too, Freeze? Yeah, he went too far, yeah. beat the crap out of Mr. Freeze, got a forced That um, was a, confession. That was good because it kind of it felt yeah, but after that though, that's when we started yep. with the nightmares. Yeah. It's that the well like I think we had a couple issues of of him just maybe not in a nightmare landscape and then it ended with Oh yeah, the penguin thing. Yeah, there's the penguin. The penguin thing, thing. And, and then, but that led to the Bane thing, which yep. led to the nightmares. Yeah, but we had um, Thomas Wayne show up at the end of the penguin thing, and that was yeah. eleven issues ago. And since then, it's been grand yeah. narration, and I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to like recite a story and not actually have the characters tell you a story. And it's just been it's getting really boring. It, it feels like that that kid in writing class or art class who's who's trying to be edgy by doing something completely different. Um, <laughs> and just, and it just feels edgy to be edgy. I know exactly and who you're you talking about. <laughs> you can see, you can see the, the machinations at work saying like, I don't want to write the typical comic book. I just want to, I just want to do something artsy and edgy and out there and <laughs> it's like, it's like playing jazz without knowing, knowing the, the comp like the you know just the, the chords and the composition and the just just the basic like scales um and the fundamentals of it i think that tom king does know the fundamentals of it but he's just not applying any of them to this it's just all a jazz solo this, and it's like a too. it's it's like a drum solo at yeah. a concert for an yeah. old guy what sucks too <laughs> is like on like taking taken alone there's nothing wrong with this issue or this narrative device. No. But it's like a muscle that he keeps flexing to the point where it's just like, all right, I get it. Stop. That's all you – yeah, just, that's all you got. You got to have a straightforward issue but he does, here and there. he does have that skill. Like we, he does. Yeah. I don't know what's happening. Like, so, so when I say I disagree with, with maybe he's just um, scrambling, mm -hmm. I wouldn't think that his version of scrambling is doing the same thing he did on that 50th issue. If anything, it would have been a wild departure. Yeah. Okay. Well, the 50th issue to me, I hated, I, I hated the outcome of it. I didn't hate the structure of it because it, it, it did what it should have done because it had that splash page sort of thing with mm -hmm. different artists and all that stuff. So as far as that is concerned, I was fine with that because you got to see a bunch of old Batman artists and all that stuff. Um, the outcome I think was just a cheat. And uh, I think what's been going on afterwards is just it's the least interesting path they could have taken with that story. Yeah. And uh, um, and I just I 
it really soured the entire series for me because of that. And especially now that we know that as of a issue 85, we're going to get the bat and the cat and we're going to get their relationship. And I don't know if it means they are going to get married or if they're going to date for a while or if they're going to, if it's just going to be more issues of them just talking to each other and reciting about <laughs> the, 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 the reciting, talking about their eyeballs and, and all that stuff. I don't know what, I, what you know what I, I, I think, you know why I'm, I'm torn. So like when, when the news came out that he was, his, his uh, rum was going to be truncated. I was torn because as much as I haven't been enjoying it, I'm not a fan of people being pulled from things, especially when you're trying to tell a larger story. So I didn't well, want that to happen. But hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I didn't okay. want that to happen. But I also have not been enjoying it. Now, with that said, this issue on its own, I actually didn't mind it. And, well, I didn't mind what happened in it. Like, if we got this kind of pull back the curtain and see just kind of how deep or intricate or how the pieces kind of started to uh, get put on the table... Yeah, twelve maybe issues a ago, word balloon. It, twelve I mean, or thirteen I, issues ago. Yeah, that yeah. I would have I mean, been like, oh, cool, but a, it's like too a, little, too late. Yeah, some dialogue in the scene would have been nice. Um, just having this, it, it, it really feels disjointed. Um, and again, he's telling these stories with these splash pages that are there. Uh, the only one I really splash page I really liked was the one with all the villains. But how many times have you seen that that? kind of like stock thing of all the villains and Batman cowering in front of them. You know, it's Mm -hmm. it. That's, that's been shown many, many times. Like the poison Ivy scene is just someone putting a filter over a, like a a forest. And then they drew Batman and Catwoman kissing and Harley and Ivy kissing, I guess. And um, then there was another uninteresting splash page of just Bruce in bed mm-hmm. and and Catwoman standing there. It's like these are these are just not I'm I mean, also, these are stock images that I'm also it having, feels like they're using. I'm having a little trouble keeping track of the story sometimes too. So like the the Jorge Fornes art is I guess what's happening now. Like Bane is I in guess. Wayne Manor. And they're fighting. This is after yeah. he punches Robin or Tim or something in the face. I guess. And, yeah. and Alfred says, hey, you lost. You know, yeah. you're, or you're yeah. broken. You need help. Yeah. Which I still not sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. Batman's <laughs> but, always broken, though. I mean, he was broken from the beginning. It's not like he all of a sudden is like, like he had it all together before uh, Catwoman was there. It's just it's oh. upsetting. Like this is this was. This is a great idea, you know, like the idea of breaking Batman by breaking his spirit. At, at yeah. least in modern comics, I don't. It hasn't really been done to this kind of like detrimental of a way. Yeah, but it's yeah. just been stretched out so much to the point where your emphasis is is a whimper. Yeah, you know? like yeah. I mean, there's just no there's as as much as this is a long fight scene. I wasn't excited. I wasn't like there wasn't a moment where. Uh, I was kind of of interested or, or no. you know, I, I didn't think, oh, God, he broke his back again. I, I never thought that, um, which I guess happens. <laughs> I don't know. 
I, I don't know if that happened in scene or if that was a flashback, but um, none of that impact actually impacted because um, nothing was said in the scene. It was all this just dull narration telling us the plan like a mustache twirling villain in, you know, in some 50s, you know, serial. Yeah. And also, too, I still don't I still don't understand Thomas Wayne's motivation to help. Well, he wants Batman to not be Batman. He wants he wants his son to not be Batman anymore. Yeah, but the way the, the ways in which he's helping Bane to not like Bane is trying to is counterproductive. Murder. Yeah, it, yeah, it counterintuitive. Make, it doesn't make sense. It is dangerous to his son. Yeah, yeah, uh, makes no sense. Are these yeah. things you want to say? Because I'm saying them. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, I had to go help customers. So I'm just I missed this entire conversation. But yeah, it was this was a slog. Um, it's just a bunch of monologuing towards Bane from the Bat Dad, and uh, it takes us through I guess the whole the whole quote unquote plan. <laughs> it's just through ridiculous. The last, uh, through the last 22 issues, I yeah. guess. Like God I said, damn. if this happened 12 issues ago, it still would have been an exciting story. Well, here's the thing. I mean, with Tom King having to leave this book early, I get it that he might have had a, a story planned. But, um, you know, you got to ask yourself, is this an interesting story? Is this a story that um, deserves like a hundred issue run? No. I mean, um, if this would have gotten the intended issues that he wanted, I think he wanted like 105 issues because the button was uh, – or there were some some issues in there that got uh, that he wasn't supposed to. Uh, yeah, there do. was the button with Joshua Williamson, yeah, right? The, the button, button yeah. and, yeah. and the then price. the follow up to that. There yeah. was the follow up to that with with the Flash um, just a little while ago. Um, that would have meant just twenty five, thirty more issues of this kind of navel gazing shit. And I, I I'm glad they told him to speed it up. You know, yeah. sometimes the clown has to come out with the hook. And pull the guy yeah, off, off stage, stage. <laughs> or you know, sometimes yeah. the gong has to be rung yeah. on the gong show. You know, it's it, one of those things that people don't always know when it's time to leave or yeah, when it's time it, to wrap things it up. It doesn't seem like the relationship is is um, strained by it. Too, like Tom King is still DC's man, so I guess yeah. And if you if you're totally loving what he's doing, just go over to Bat and Cat. With me, it'll be an excuse to say, okay, good. I can move on with maybe some in-the-panel action. I don't know. I'm, I'm committed um, at this point. I want to read that 12-issue whatever. Because honestly, you know what, though? If it is just going to be a relationship comic of Batman and Catwoman and focused on just that relationship without the meandering or trying to come up with this like giant machinations of villains and bullshit, yeah. it might be an enjoyable read. Like He has proven himself to be very competent when it comes to a focused narrative or, yeah. or a limited series, you know, like and if, if we're going to take this, like his plans and put it in a limited series where he could just focus on that and not like yeah. the, the growing expectations of, you know, a flagship book. Sure. Maybe, maybe it'll be better. Yeah. I, I really, that's just it. Like throughout all of this, I want it to be so good. I want to like, I it. do. Yeah, I do. I, I just think that, um, both both Snyder and King have have been sort of overthinking it, and That's fair. Uh, over the last couple of years, and I would uh, I would like to see like you know when David Finch was on he was writing and drawing his own book, you know it wasn't the deepest of stories but at least it was kind of 
you know, it was it was kind of fun to read, fun to look at. Yeah. It was dynamic. It was, you know, there was. I I wouldn't mind seeing that for a little while. That's just, fair. Just some, just some straightforward comic booking instead of instead of trying to, uh, you know, win an Eisner every every issue with your crazy individual <laughs> scat scooties scat scat scooty story style. Um, but that's just me. Well, Black Cat number one also came out this week from Marvel Comics by Jed McKay and Travel Foreman. This is a very different Travel Foreman than the one I've seen in Animal Man back in the New 52. Uh, I was surprised, actually, at how different this art style is. But so we got the Black Cat, Felicia Hardy. And um, this feels like a very different Black Cat than the one we've been seeing in Amazing Spider-Man, either in Dan Slott's run or in um, Nick Spencer's run. But this is basically just a, a heist comic yeah yeah and I, I thought it was a lot of fun actually and then we got the appearance of the black fox who i kept confusing with the red ghost i guess what would you say his name the, was the, bread, the red ghost red ghost yeah, right red the, guy ghost. The, yeah. yeah the guy with uh, the monkeys the super apes yeah 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 i don't know why uh <laughs> because it's color and noun um <laughs> but uh yeah i thought this was fun what did you guys think I, I liked didn't it. Read it. Yeah. yeah, you didn't read it. Okay, Noel didn't I, read it. I mean, what did what'd you I, think? Mark? I thought it was. I thought it was nice. It reminded me a little bit of a Nick Spencer sort of story, where you know, it's it's uh, these kind of like lesser villains. Um, I like it that they kind of fleshed out Black Cat's crew, mm-hmm. and and then later on in the book, um, they flesh out Black Fox's crew, which um, it was kind of interesting that. Black Fox's crew were kind of like graduating and they said, well, I think we're going to go to New York. And um, like he was he was happy with them. I think they were in Miami or something. Uh Um, But uh, and oh, well, I forget where he was, but he was he was trying to steal from Dracula. Yeah, which was fun. (laughs) Like, oh, yeah, like actual Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the whole issue is kind of. It's got that kind of lighthearted tone. Uh-huh. There's, it's not high stakes, uh, um, but not everything has to be a world-ending story. And yeah. I think that I don't think she's necessarily different. She's less deep, though. I mean, she, mm-hmm. it's in in uh, Amazing Spider-Man. She's like trying to save uh, that little lizard boy, mm-hmm. like um, uh, Kurt Connor's son, and. Billy. Uh, yeah, Billy Connors, Billy. and oh, and that's Billy. that's a little something more noble than just you know trying to steal a painting yeah. and yeah. trying to pull off a heist. What? But it it, it works. For yeah, what for it is. so far, you know, yeah. it, it starts off real kind of light and breezy, and it's a fun little heist. It's you know, it's not quite uh, Ocean's Eleven as far as like cleverness of the uh, of the heist itself. It's yeah. more about the getaway um, yeah. and being introduced to these characters, and also the the B plot is that. Back in Amazing Spider-Man from Nick Spencer, those there's like a, a a thief guild that has been introduced, like the Assassins Guild, except for thieving, and um, thieving. Uh, she wound up betraying them and and stealing from them, and so she's got they're kind of the foil right now. Yeah. So they're at, they're literal nin- they look like ninjas I, coming yeah, after I'm, us. Well be I'm sk- I'm skimming through this while you guys are talking about it. I'm going to go back and read it. I think but it's fun. I I've always loved Travel Foreman's art, but is it me or is he like channeling like? 
Howard Chaykin. Oh, yes. This is there so is some good. Chaykin in that. Like but it's lot. Howard yeah. Chaykin uh, if he was good. I um, like Chaykin. I hate okay. Chaykin so much. I It's less Hachin? less chunky, less Hachin? chunky, less uh, heavy Just Chaykin. a lot of like the less digital effects. Lo- yeah. I, I really like this a lot. Yeah, I like this. This is great. Um, and also, I'm really, I really like, and I don't know him, but I don't know if this is a new character or, or if they're repurposing older characters. But one of her henchmen's name is Boris Corpse. Uh, yeah. And he's, I think he's, he's new. He's, He's, I think he's new. He's self-titled Dr. Boris Corpse. So he's not actually a doctor. Yeah. He just calls himself Dr. Corpse. Yeah. Uh, and I like him a lot. And he actually winds up writing the letters page outro. So yeah. like when you write in, you'll be talking to Dr. Corpse. Uh, so, Pretty cool. Yeah, they're, they're having like some fun with this. He, he wants to use these like extreme like evil methods to deal with the enemies and black cats like no we don't need any anthrax right now you know we're gonna be mm-hmm. okay i think we can get out of this without you know killing it starting an, an apocalypse yeah he well, just wants it. to like bring yeah. about the end days is this a she's mini like i just want to steal some stuff dog is this a mini or, or... i don't even it's, know oh they i think it's they, a digital they, it's they... a digital mini no nope isn't oh, i'm holding the issue in my hand oh really okay i yep. thought it was one of those digital issues mm-hmm. okay cool yeah i don't know uh but yeah, I think I think it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's not one that I'm going to be breaking down the comic shop door, even because uh, why would I break my own door? It's stupid. I was going to say you have a key. To I get, I could just use my key yeah. to get. You know what I mean? But to like go scoop this up. But uh, I'll, I'll certainly check it out. I'll keep reading it. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Fun issue. All right, deceased number two. Uh, from DC Comics by Tom Taylor and art by Trevor Hairseen. Wait a second. Deceased. Oh, you just got I it. Just got you it. just I got like, it. You, you guys misspelt it, but no. They got it. Uh, did you read it, Noel? I did read it. Haha, <laughs> welcome back. <laughs> did you read it, Mark? No. Oh, I, I take a I seat. I didn't get to read <laughs> issue one. I didn't get to read issue one, so I wanted to read both. Um, so I'm, I'm behind on uh, are you Are you afraid of the spoilers? No. Go ahead. I know what happens. Like, I started it, I think. It was like a virus. Uh, that... Yeah, so it was it was a mutation of the anti-life equation. So it's so it's it's just basically like DC zombies, right? Yeah, but it's it's um like they're not they're like unliving they're not undead. Okay, but are they? Is this in continuity or out out of continuity? Um, uh, <laughs> they don't really specify. Like okay. all these all the characters as they're being shown are uh, save for. Save for Aquaman, look like they do currently. Okay. Like I'm sure it's not in continuity, especially because like some pretty drastic and awful things happen. Yeah. It's probably parallel, whatever, or just out of con. It doesn't really matter. It's, uh, it's just fun and stupid. See, but that's the reason why I didn't like Marvel Zombies because it's like it happened on its own universe. Yeah. And there, like there, there wasn't really any heft to the threat. Because it was just on the the zombie universe. Yeah, this this um, then some things happen. I, I I truly doubt that it's so. Like we've got very major characters that are turned into unliving zombies and or dispatched. There's yeah. no way that that's going to be, unless it's somehow irreversible, which I doubt. But either way, this this virus, this um, this anti anti life equation virus that's been mutated actually has already taken out dark seat dark side um 
is now on Earth. It's it's transmitted via corrupted imagery or or technologies. So like somebody looking at their phone, just like that that Stephen King book. Um, well, also also like Potty Pool. Yes, yes, and yeah. or by saliva. So it's so you can either be infected by technology and or by being attacked, just like normal or classic like, zombies. Like spit spit on or downloaded. Yeah, yeah, more or less. Okay. And then and then the 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 infected are they're not shambling uh, zombies so much as just raged versions of themselves. So in this question, issue, yeah, question. What if someone spits on your iPhone? Um, well, then you wouldn't really be focused on the message in the iPhone that's kind of like changing you, but you look up and then you get attacked. So it's, I did know, I did realize that I have not talked about who did this book yet. Okay, so oh, it's Tom Taylor and Tom Taylor. <laughs> yes, and um, Trevor he's Harrison. Not Tom yeah, King. that's what I said. He's not Tom King. He's oh, no, not no. Tom King. I really like Tom Taylor uh, a lot. Yeah, this does feel like the Injustice books that he did. Yeah, big and crazy. And yeah, like, it, it's it's insane. What but, WTF moment can we have in this book? And, and my we did question a couple. was that is, is this in continuity or not? No, of course not. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, for all the current versions of the characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is this the end of the DC universe? Everyone's just yeah. a zombie. But I do, I do, I do appreciate how they handled Batman in this. So, in the, at the end of the last issue, that he he's attacked by his. Nightwing. By Nightwing. And also, too, I think one of the Robins. Mm-hmm. So he gets attacked and is infected. Yep. So he <laughs> takes an old Mr. Freeze suit to slow down his metabolism. And so he could tell Superman what's going down. Mm-hmm. Just, it's yeah, just, just long enough to get the information out there. Yeah, and here, It's really, really Here's cool. a plan. Go. And, and now Alfred's I'm going to eat Alfred. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this book is pretty bloody. Pretty gory. It's a little. It's like a horror movie, which mm-hmm. I like. I would a lot. read it for that. I would read it for that. But I, you know, it. I was. That's what I was telling Noel was that because it's out of continuity, um, or in its own pocket universe, like it just reminds me of Marvel Zombies, and it took the heft out of it when they just kind of yeah didn't there- have like actual zombies and just that that were in the Marvel universe. It was more like you know yeah. There's no real stakes with these types of yeah. things. There's no real stakes. Yeah. But um but yeah, like without going beat for beat, like the art is competent, the story is really kind of fun and and crazy. Like it's totally it's it is definitely like a um nice October day that you're not working read, you know? Like just Yeah. just a crazy summer fun kind of thing. Take it while you can read it while taking a dump. Uh yeah, I mean, it depends on how aggressive your bowel movements are. Oh man, they are. They are action packed. Just, just murderous. <laughs> there are no Tom King Batman. <laughs> yeah, it's not somebody reciting me a story. I'm in yes. the action. I am. Yeah, there's all. It's all action. It's all first person. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Let's move on. <laughs> yes. To um to a book that I think only you and I read, The Incredible Hulk: Last Call. Oh yeah. By Peter David and Dale Keon. Quan? It seems it seems like these guys were drinking heavily and needed well, to be cut off. Well, Is I that think, why they call them last call? Last I think, call? <laughs> probably. So I just I just started reading this outright, never having read the you know visionary run that this is kind of referencing. So I guess this is something that Marvel's doing for the 80th anniversary, like getting yeah. classic creator teams to revisit their runs with a new story. 
so like this is in reference to um what like the mid 80s early 90s peter david run of the incredible hulk yeah that's what this appears to be i guess did you ever read Uh, that i did it's like probably one of my favorite runs in comic books um like peter david is like an idol of mine and I, Mm -hmm. i love what he has done um but um this does not feel like the Hulk during his prime. And like every, like I, I don't think it's it's a, like anyone argues that uh, Peter David probably wrote the the uh, best Hulk that there ever was. Um, and I, I think it is worth revisiting uh, if if you're looking for some really great characters. Um, and it was it was action, it was suspense, it was drama, it was comedy, it was it was just you know superhero comic booking it, it, there were villains every month and battles and and uh new new things like the pantheon was introduced which was a kind of a secret organization that that um that was kind of out to save humanity um even though it might destroy it and the hulk was mm-hmm. a part of that for a while and just things like that and it, it really yeah i mean he really just went all over the place with it, uh, which was really fun. Um, this issue sort of encapsulates some of the stuff that went on during it, uh, but then again, it deals with some of the stuff that happened before Peter Davis' run, which was interesting, like the Harpy stuff. Um, yeah, and- it, it says in, in the back they've got like a, a a primer of like where you can read the stories that are referenced in this. Yeah, and it's not. It's not all Peter David's run. It's just like the visionary collections, but especially yeah. Peter David's. Is it, it's this is weird. Like I, I've never personally, I've never read Peter David's run, but I obviously everything Hulk related is referenced to it. So it's just like almost yeah. osmosisly, I'm I've absorbed it all. All the story, yeah, big story I, points. I think also this um, is more of a direct in, um, rendition of the way the Hulk was in Endgame. And so because he's definitely not like that in his regular book, they kind of maybe they dusted this one off, uh, put it out there. Um, I, I, I don't think uh, I think Peter David would I mean, he constructed kind of a solid story. Um, but uh, Dale Keown's art is not the Dale Keown that I remember. Um, I remember him being just clean and. Um, his his pictures had his images and his characters had depth, um, and this almost feels like uh, you know like a, a pencil drawing almost in some instances and just really bad angles. Um, mm-hmm. It it feels like he he gave it all during the um, Hulk scenes, but the uh, the scenes of just Bruce talking with a girl on the phone, mm-hmm. those were just kind of, you could tell which, which panels were interesting to the artist and which weren't. Um, doesn't help that there were, are, were four different anchors to this book as well. well yeah. I was going to say some of like the, the digital coloring and stuff is a little, is a little wonky. Like there's some, there's some um, panels where everyone looks baby doll smooth. And then there's some panels that are, a little bit more um, textured and nuanced, so it's it's yeah. it's a little all over the place. But I, I guess so. There's two. Th- I didn't dislike this. It it just it, it literally did feel like a fill in of sorts, you know. 
But yeah. there were there were two things specifically that I I think are worth talking about. One, I'll get to the like the bigger one afterwards. But the first one being there's a scene here where Banner meets Betty for the first time. Yeah. And his um the manifestation of his I guess self loathing is this gray Hulk. Yeah. Is that a thing? Before the Hulk uh, actually I, happens to him, the manifestation of his of his self doubt is the Hulk. I think so. There were times when that was that was a, a, a true case. Um and but it's before it's like his his doubt. Uh yeah, I think so. I think that was hinted at that he's always had this kind of monster inside and that the gamma radiation kind of uh just released that instead of it just creating the Hulk at that All time. Right. Like, I, I get what they were doing, but, like, you know, putting a pin in it and literally saying, like, the Hulk existed inside of him. Yeah. At least in this form. Maybe, like, I, you know, maybe I wouldn't even think it was weird if it was just, like, a disembodied voice. Yeah. But it's literally a picture of the Hulk behind him talking to him. So yeah. it's like, okay, I didn't know that. I don't think it was represented very well in this comic, but I do think that um, he has been known to kind of have conversations with mm-hmm. the Hulk um, as if as if he's right there next it, to him. It, sort of like it, a beautiful mind sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, well, absolutely. I, it's, it's weird. I get what they were trying to do, but in the timeline of the book, so like he's telling all of this in retrospect, but in yeah. retrospect, it happened before the Gamma Bomb, so it, it made me confused. Like, did they meet before or after? Wait, no, they're talking about it going tomorrow. Like, it was just, yeah. it made it oddly confusing for me. But then sure. The other thing was... Well, I think we could talk about it. The the suicide montage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just I mean and and you you just uh told me that um on the digital copy of this book, um this there is a suicide montage, but it was taken out of the yeah. print copy. I read a I read a I didn't read the whole article and I couldn't corroborate it, but I read a headline that the that in the print version this montage page was taken out. So on the digital copy, it's page six. It starts yeah. on page he, um, in in the story. Banner calls a crisis, a suicide hotline, a crisis hotline, um, and yeah. starts to talk about his problems and how you know the first time he tried to take his own life, and then the subsequent times he tried to take it after that. And it it's this six panel montage of the ways he has tried to kill himself. Now I uh-huh. I'm not a I'm not opposed to talking about suicide, depicting it, but in the context of the scene and the way that it's depicted, it's almost like a punchline for the story he's telling. It's not not explicitly a joke, but the tone of it where it's like he cuts his wrist, it turns into the Hulk, he takes a bunch of pills, the Hulk spits him out, uh, and then the the last panel to the bottom left is... He's pulling a gun to his face, and he looks scared. Mm-hmm. And then the next yeah. panel over, the Hulk is spitting it out. This context spitting out the bullet is, yeah. is not like joke punchline, but it is set up it's and knocked so, out. Set up and sort of down, set, set up, up in a humorous. Down. Yeah, it's like a sort it's of humorous awkward. manner that feels. It definitely feels off. It just doesn't feel like it's of this era. Um, it feels more of like a a, a a less sensitive era, like the '80s. Um, when we were talking about this earlier, we, we, I think we said that this feels like a throwback issue and not really a modern comic, um, mm-hmm. which I think 
not only is it um, pretty evident um, in with a, a scene like that that's a, a little bit more callous yeah. towards yeah. towards suicide, but also like during the harpy scene where she's like she's throwing out kind of quips and things. Uh, she throws him into a train and then says something some kind of train pun um (laughs) it's just it's just it it just feels like you know it worked in the 80s um for some reason and it just yeah now it's just kind of doesn't feel it's you know what there's so like the the harpy stuff i can i get like bad puns that feels like of a time and like nostalgic but when it comes to like the the suicide montage and the way that it almost feels flippant or like a joke even though it's not supposed to be yeah that feels more like you're at thanksgiving dinner and your granddad says something and you're like you cringe like mm, i know yeah. what you meant but yeah. dude yeah yeah mm. well and and also it's you know they're dancing around a tricky subject the suicide yeah, subject absolutely. through the entire issue because he basically says at <laughs> the beginning of the issue i'm gonna have somebody kill me which we know now that even if the and spoiler alert, but even if Deadpool would have shot him through the brain, it wouldn't have wouldn't killed have him anyway, yeah. because that's that's happened numerous times in his own comic book. But at this point in his life, he doesn't know that. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, just the whole thing. I mean, but Deadpool went through a period where he was very suicidal and depressed and, uh, you know, was yeah, actually that. trying to kill himself. Um, it's not like it's a trope that hasn't been explored before. Um, I think it's just been explored more tastefully in, in, in you know, recent years. I would argue, uh, too, that even – so, like, I think what you're referring to is when Daniel Way was writing Deadpool, like, a while yeah. ago. Like, he, there was almost a whole arc of the ways that he tried to take his own life yeah. up, up into actually shooting his own face off, and it still didn't work. Yeah. In, with that, with that, like – character and in that context of it all being a fruitless joke yeah i don't know it didn't feel as off base as this did like this felt well-intentioned but well, way off base I mean, whereas that's that was played yeah. for laughs intentionally i mean right? in one in many ways it's a cause and effect panel like done three times and i think that if it would have just been maybe uh Maybe if they didn't show the images, I think it would be a little bit, uh, a little bit better. I think, but yeah, if it was the just fact that it's paired, up. well, yeah, well, I mean, just the the actual words, but not the images. Um, like maybe this was a splash page of just you know, uh, of half, uh, like you know, the classic like half of the face is Bruce and half of the face the face is uh, the Hulk or. There, there. I think Something there was like there was potentially a number of ways, but I don't know. It, it panel progression is a part of the story. It's it's yeah. a part of the story that they're telling, trying to get you from one panel to the to the next in a specific speed or direction. Yeah. Usually, those kind of cause and effects, separate panel setups, is punchlines. Like yeah, this happened right. and that. This happened and that, and it just felt cringy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. My problem um, with this is that this doesn't look like Dale Keown. Yeah, it's it doesn't. It really doesn't. I, I was looking yeah. over. I didn't. I did not read this issue, but I was looking over um, Noel's shoulder, and I was like, "Oh, is that David Chen? It looks like David Chen artwork." And then yeah. I was like, "Oh, wait, no, this is supposed to be Dale Keown. This is not 
not at all what I remember his work looking like. And there's a bunch. Gets there's better. like five gets different better. inkers. Towards the end, yeah, there's five. There's like four or five different guys. But it's like but, um, in stark tr- contrast, like later at the very end, there's like the Marvel yeah. 80 years, and there's all those Marvel visionary covers. Peter uh-huh. David, Incredible Hulk. Those are that like that when I think of David Keown, that's who I see. This artwork yeah. here at the very back. Um and the stuff throughout this book is just kind of rudimentary, like almost like he only did thumbnail sketches or something. It, doesn't it sounds really like feel towards right. but but it's much better towards the end when he fights Mr. Hyde. Um and there were there are a couple of panels. It feels like, you know, Keown just wasn't invested in these in these panels with just Bruce talking to to uh uh the operator which i can understand that if you're more interested in one panel you're going to give it your all but um he was much more consistent in the old in the olden days in the old peter david run i think yeah i mean the favorite the the best looking piece of this book is when um what is her name she shows up uh she's got wings and talons and harpy harpy when that harpy. harpy shows up that's a great little um reveal but the rest of the yeah. book just looks like David Chen. It just feels very like by the numbers. Yeah. But yeah, um, I wish it was better. I, I mean, I, I don't know if this is just a throwaway that some that they might have done, you know, just and they dusted it off after a while um, to kind of celebrate this eighty years thing. Um, but at well, the end, it says it, at the end it says like if you want to see more like this, uh, let us know and. If it's of this quality, I don't know if I do want to see more. Oh, I don't. Unfortunately. Yeah, it says as part of Marvel's 80th anniversary celebration, we're reuniting fan-favorite creative teams for brand new stories starring the characters they helped define. Yeah. Well, we don't really got to, guys, if it's more of this. Who else? This makes me wonder how fast this was pulled together and how, like, what other... Well, like Claremont and Byrne or... That's what I mean, like, what Mm -hmm. other... I don't know if they would actually go about. if Byrne would actually go back to Marvel for do, to do something like that. Yeah, but I, I mean, I could I see mean, them do, trying to do uh, uh, Anne Nishenti and uh, well, John Romita Jr.'s at, at DC, so maybe a Lee Weeks and Anne Nishenti. Um, uh, what book for Daredevil? Oh, oh okay. <laughs> uh, sorry, oh, I forgot. Um, but yeah, uh, Guys and things, someone. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. Um, yeah, Butch Geis and whoever did that Doctor Strange, old Doctor Strange run. I don't know Xavier Saltaires and who, who wrote who wrote Ghost Rider back in the day? Was that Howard Mackey? I think it was. I don't know. I might um, see. I'd like to see. Um, was it was it Dimitrius? Is that the guy and uh, Todd McFarlane on yeah, Spider Man on great. ASM? Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure and it'd be cool McFarlane to see would, uh, Fabian Nicienza and and uh, Rob Liefeld. Um, that would be kind of interesting. Oh, I did just see, actually, Eric Larson has been tweeting that he's working on a Marvel thing, but he can't say uh, what it is. And I wonder if it's, he maybe he's doing oh, Amazing yeah. Spider-Man. That, like that a, might be it. Like too. it's Marvel 1000 or something like that. Oh, maybe that. that's it. Marvel it's, it's a yeah. butt ton of yeah. creators that are all doing like a page or two. Or yeah. um, I, don't, I don't think they were doing full issues. I don't know. Um, all right. Deathstroke number 44. Part of the it's an ongoing crossover event that's been going for a while by Christopher Priest and Fernando Pissarin. And what is this is called? Uh, the Terminus Agenda. Terminus Agenda. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Mark got me to read this. I've not been reading either of these books. Yeah. And I followed te- which it is, all the way through. It goes from Teen Titans well, to Deathstroke. Yes, Teen Titans to Deathstroke. Um, and thank you. 
I, I very yeah. much enjoyed this whole this whole shebang. I mean, it, they have a long history of these kind of big um, crossover things. I think the la- the one before this was the I forget what it was, but it started with the Judas contract way back when, mm-hmm. and then um, there was something else just a couple of years ago, and I forget what it was called, but it was with the yeah. old version of the titans it seems like uh, ever since the new 52 at least annually there's a deathstroke teen titans crossover of some sort. yeah which is which is fine i guess um this one was i i didn't hate this one i, I thought it was fun yeah, it was fun um it, it it really dealt with just robin and arrow or or i'm sorry red arrow and how far they would go they they're the least powered members of the team but they would really go um they're the ones that would go the extra mile yeah, in, they're in the ensuring that their villains yeah their, their villains would not come back to bother them so they built a prison underneath their uh secret hideout and um basically all the villains they've fought so far they just robin and air and red arrow um went in and basically uh jailed them up and they've they've been keeping them like sort of in their own little private jail for a while. So yeah, um, it's, I it's, guess it's, well, it's also, a step away from killing them, but still it's not very humane. And, uh, and they've been doing it unbeknownst to the rest of their team. Yeah. Yeah. So like uh red arrow, uh, Amico and little Damian Wayne have been essentially keeping a prison camp, a prisoner camp. Uh, yeah. Um, underneath their headquarters, and the rest of the Teen Titans have no idea. And it, yeah. like ever since they started doing this, it's just like, what's your what's your end game, bro? Like, yeah, I, I. So this was this was kind of like all of that coming to a head, which is really interesting. The so uh, so this issue, this Deathstroke forty four, uh, Christopher Priest and Fernando Passerin, yeah. It's it's the epilogue. Yeah. So the big shocker was that Deathstroke gets an arrow through his face. Yeah. Like and, like murdered in the eyeball. And it quote unquote kills him. Um, now, if this is, I feel, and all the way through, um, Deathstroke seemed like he had a plan um, getting captured and everything was going according to his plan very well. He was like trying to educate Robin and Red Arrow, basically telling them that, you know, you're not really cut out for this superhero stuff. You're you're more like me. And um, they kind of proved him right. Well, uh, yeah. What was it? Um, Damien failed. But yeah. but Red Arrow did not. Yeah, <laughs> did not. Yeah, it was, but, um, it, was like, it was a little shocking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I like what you said earlier about how um they didn't really think this through and it's a very childlike way of looking at like the the trouble with with reoccurring villains uh just you know just put them away somewhere but then they become your responsibility for after that you know you got to feed them you got to you know give them toilets and all that stuff um give them a shave and a haircut stuff like that and it's like uh yeah you know you you it doesn't seem like they thought all of that through. It's just, hey, let's put them away forever and, and keep them locked up. And it's like, what were they going to do? What was their end game to that? And I don't think, I don't think Robin or Red Arrow have a plan like that. It's mm. just 
they just it and that's kind of been the way this whole series has been going about where it just feels like the teen titans have been reacting to things but not really doing it in a in a responsible way yeah they're Um, they're they're incredibly skilled but 14 yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You, you can't, no matter what your life experience is, you cannot escape the fact that inexperience of just, well, like, emotional inexperience, yeah. you know? But it's a very, that's a very sophisticated way of dealing with, with the Teen Titans. I think it's been dealt with in the past, but I'm glad that they're, it's not just Young Justice where they're just kind of flitting around and, and just having fun and, you know, just doing what they're doing. Oh, I like um, that, too, though. Yeah. Can't there I be do enough? Too. Yeah. No, I like that too, but it, it's I, I do think that um, this is I think it's deeper than it really presents Absolutely. Uh, itself as the story. And I I was I was partic- a couple of things so like from the last issue I was particularly I'm not even gonna spoil it. It was it was surprising and interesting to me what the terminus agenda actually was. Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought was real effing harsh and only the spawn of an Al Ghul would probably be able to come up with something that awful. Okay. Um and yeah, so that's that's pretty much all I want to say about it. Like it was just really creepy. Um, but then the Deathstroke enacts it, like, "Hey, kid, you just created this thing. I'm gonna do it for you." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but then gets an arrow in the eye, and this this whole issue is his funeral, which mm-hmm. was awkward and weird. Like how people pay their respects to a murderer. To yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, granted. All of those people that showed up to the the um, funeral—they were all mercenaries. Um, they weren't really—they're not—they're not good people. Even I think the best <laughs> the best person that showed up was um, Deadshot. I guess he's the yeah. most, uh, and he was like kind of noble about it. Um, there were a couple of people, couple of them that showed respect to him, but only because of how how ruthless a bastard he was. Um, I do so. appreciate Deadpool's we're or De- Deadshot. 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 Sorry. Well, Deadpool. Um, I do I do appreciate Deadshot. Uh, just you know, like I kind of kind of thought it was going to be me that killed you. Yeah. <laughs> I also just... like seeing Sinestro back in his old outfit. He's been. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Bit, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, love it's, it. I just like it. I still like. Do it. they do they talk <laughs> about at all where this location is? This pyre of dead bodies and skulls and bones that they're at. No. Um, I, I kind of missed it. No, I don't think they do. It's like a secret location where villains bury other villains i guess um i was surprised to see dr light i haven't oh. really seen dr light since rapey the, light yeah since yeah. identity crisis he's he's yeah. like eulogizing yeesh yeah Ooh. well <laughs> he's mentioned twice this month first he's mentioned by dr light in uh heroes in crisis last week i remember that um yeah. and then uh now he's like pretty prominent in this issue um I mean, he's not respected by the the um, Legion of Doom, but he's one of the bigger guns there. He's giving the sermon um, for the whole thing. In Identity Crisis, wasn't there – there was no real connection between Slade and Light, was there? I didn't – I don't – Well, just because they, they full-on they attack both fought Slade the, and Slade. They, they both have been known to – they, uh, They've also both no been known to fight the Teen Titans. Oh, okay. I mean, that would do it. Yeah, that's a tenuous enough connection for comic books. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, now, of Teen Titans. I think that those two were the their biggest villains. I think. So this is Christopher Priest writing the Deathstroke issues. Is uh, Glass Adam Glass still writing the Teen Titans issues? Because I really yeah. was liking his. New no, team. it's 
it's not. Is it Adam Glass? Yeah, he's still he's still. Or, writing. Wait, is Glass the artist? It's, no, Glass is the name of the writer. No, I thought it was Ben. Um, oh right, dang Adam it, Glass. Yeah. No, oh, and Bernard Chang is the artist. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm. Uh, he's Teen Titans number twenty nine is written by Adam Glass and. Oh, drawn okay. by Bernard okay. Chang. Yeah. yeah, the creative teams have stayed on the books. They're just kind of like handing off story back and Great. forth. Which yeah. at first, the first couple issues of this, the first like I think maybe two or three issues of this like six issue kind of crossover, it was a little jarring because Adam Glass has a different st- uh, story structure than oh, Priest yeah. does. Well, Priest always yeah. has that um, fade to black. Here's yeah. a title for this page. Yeah, <laughs> or it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of like um, small chunks of story that add up as opposed yeah. to just telling a straight story. Yeah, yeah. So it was a little yeah. jarring back and forth. But I like that Priest always. You can always tell a Priest book. Yeah. I you know yeah. what? Totally underrated. But right before, right before No Justice and Zach and, and Josh, fucking Zack Snyder. Josh Snyder, Scott Snyder. Jesus. Okay, there you go. You did it. <laughs> Took over Justice League. Um, Christopher Reeves had that Justice League run where Deathstroke was essentially the bad guy yeah. for it. It was, it was yeah. maybe like 12 issues, and it was great. Was it? It was absolutely great. It was like a, it was like a, a one-and-done contained, crazy, almost Watchmen-esque mm-hmm. version of the Justice League and how their actions have global consequences. That's cool. And then they just kind of completely forgot about it. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. the totality. Scott yeah. Snyder, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I do, it is kind of cool to mention that Jericho's in this, Jericho is Deathstroke's son, and uh, he doesn't like his dad. Um, and he he's a, he says he's a hero, but he acts more villainous than even Deathstroke at times, it seems like. Throughout this series, he has. Um, and uh, he's, a, he's a mute, um, and he communicates through minds. And uh, Brainiac actually invites him to join the Legion of Doom, but he turns him down. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Um, which is cool. Um, it seems a little bit like, I mean, I think when you think Legion of Doom and you think big, big bad guys, Jericho is not one to, to kind of uh, right. leap to mind. Um, and uh, they even, the, the Legion of Doom even mentions that uh, um, Deathstroke was probably the only one among those guys that actually qualified um, to join the, join the, the group. But that Jericho is welcome once he accepts that he is actually a villain. Interesting. So, okay. Yeah. Hmm. It's kind of cool. All right. Savage Avengers number two by Jerry Duggan with art by Mike Diodato Jr. Does this well, have anything to do with uh, War of Realms at all? No. Because it. No. I have something to say about this, though, about you guys' last thing. Go. Last. Do it. Review of, review of this. That's the only reason I put it in mm-hmm. is that I think that. You were a little too harsh on him in the last the last time uh, in the Ooh, first Diodato? issue. Diodato. Yeah, yeah. Why? Do you, um, why? I don't know. I just feel like his. I I feel like in that issue the art was pretty tight. It was pretty good. Um, but then after reading this issue, I I I will criticize him in the same way you guys did in that first issue. But I thought this issue was um, just a little sloppy, a little. Uh, um, just kind of all over the place. The hands, especially they're Logan's gigantic. Or I don't huge. understand. <laughs> I don't understand what he's doing with Logan's hands uh, right now. But uh, yeah, yeah, his hands are bigger than his head. Basically, um, they're like mitts. The anatomy proportions is insane. Yeah, especially when he cuts open uh, 
Jericho drum. Mm-hmm. I mean, his fingers are. I mean, look at look at his hands. Like his fingers are almost as big as his arm. <laughs> it's just weird. It's the um, the um, uh, digital copy version or page ten, the first panel when he's taking off his glove. Yeah, yeah. his hands yeah. are the size of toddlers. He looks like, like actual a tro- toddlers. Some kind of troll. At or, first, I was like, "Oh, it's like a forced perspective. It's just it's closer to the camera." But no, it's creepy. There are. Um, I thought. Don't they have dolls that that have that where they have big hands? Um, I I'm in horror movies. I like. I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm not sure what you're referring. But it's just that I think in the last issue, too, it was I I'm pretty indifferent to Mike Diodano. Like, I don't I I think I I I don't want to speak for for J.D. He stepped away for a second. I don't I don't truly dislike his style. It's just. Yeah, it always seems sludgy and muddy. This does. But I think over the years, it's I mean, somewhere around um, New Avengers. I think that it's it, it. I don't say it started to slip, but he just started to change his style that to a style that I didn't. It was always really his, appreciate as much. It was always his coloring that really kind of bugged me. Like everything, yeah. even if it's bright daylight, everything was yeah very well, dark and muddy. I, I, I remember when he first came out, he was just a Jim Lee clone, mm-hmm. and then it really felt like he developed in his, into his own. Um, like right around he did a tiger miniseries that I thought was just phenomenal. And then I like and, and and I liked him for a good couple of years after that, but then yeah, somewhere along after after uh that Avengers run that he did, I I wasn't really interested. And and uh although the first issue I really liked the first issue of this one and I like Jerry Duggan's writing, it just feels like this is creeping along pretty pretty slowly yeah i you know and i think i think if i go back and re-listen i actually didn't mind the last issue but really okay. the art kept okay. taking me out of it and it was yeah. and it was in a way of just it's, like this is a cool setup like all these yeah. characters that they're pulling, pulling together is interesting and i loved sure. i i loved but hated but then loved again the the fight between wolverine and conan i'm like yeah. this is stupid this is fun though yeah <laughs> and the fact that they just stopped to drink I'm like, yeah. Cool. I, I I get what he's trying to do, and then bringing all these people together is, is an interesting dichotomy. It's just I keep getting pulled out for reasons that I shouldn't be pulled out for. I just hate that they call this Avengers. I get it. There's yeah. an, an Avengers movie um, that came out, so they have to have a couple extra Avengers title. Why don't they just call this the Savages? You know, or mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Or just Savage. It's also does Savage, that how? Yeah. Is that yeah. how um, minds work? You can put it on your back, and you're good. Oh. Like the concussive um, blow of that wouldn't break his spine. <laughs> only, only if you have, um, uh, you know, uh, a leather jumper I, or duster, a leather duster. He, um, it, it, it just even. I, I understand the shrapnel goes out. Yeah, but the concussive Still, force of that would break yeah. his back. Right? It, yeah, that's not the way. I don't think that works. That what way. character? I don't think it's. Punisher. The Punisher. Punisher. He puts yeah. a he puts a a claymore mine on his back. Then he says, "Bada boom." Oh jeez. 
Oh, well, speaking of which, uh, we, we didn't mention this in, in – uh, and I wanted to in the Incredible Hulk thing. But um, there's a part where um, the – oh, is it – I think it's the Abomination – or no, no, not the abomination. It was uh, Mr. Hyde. Yeah. He punches, he punches the Hulk, and the sound effect is stomp. <laughs> <laughs> he punches as, him with his, stomps him with his fist. As it were. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But uh, that found, that just felt weird. So anyway. I just, I see these, I don't usually like um, David Finch, but these covers are really nice. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm digging All these covers. Over. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, Young Justice number five from DC Comics, written by Brian Michael Bendis, with art by I, I'm going to call six. him newcomer John John Timms. Number six is what I meant to say, Young Justice number six. Uh, I don't. I'm sure he's been around. Obviously, you don't just jump onto a, a big DC title without doing your work. But um, I have never seen John Timms before. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. I love him. Yeah, I thought that this book was going to kind of skip a step or miss a step with Patrick Gleason leaving. Uh, DC, and it uh, didn't. Nope. No, this is this is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. And I lo- I love all these characters together. This is my favorite portion of the DC universe right now. I, I like the addition of these new kids. Um, I like seeing Connor back and Bart. Uh, I like um, what is her name? Ginny Hex Ginny with her Hex. like ray, ray guns. I mean, her, is... fa- her face is less scarred than yeah. to Mark's liking. It's so but... fun. Yeah. I'm just I'm a suck. This is again like the Teen Titans I enjoy so much. This is just another Teen Titans book that's really good. But with a different name. I have a question. No. Yeah. Is this the only book that's at least tangentially dealing with missing time and lost memories other than Doomsday Clock? Like is there another no, book there are, this? there are a couple ones. Flash. Well, Flash for sure. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Batman. Heroes Batman? in Crisis? Heroes in Crisis doesn't count. No. Batman no, is? Uh, well, just when he f- crosses well, over with Flash. Yeah, Batman was doing also, the button. I mean, also, that, I really yeah. feel like I'm always missing time when I uh, read a Tom King issue. <laughs> hey I mean, well, I, I think it's been revealed now that Dr. Manhattan is manipulating your time stream. Yep. It's the is. metaverse. Me- oh, are you part of the metaverse? I feel issue? about this issue that five origin stories is a bit much to have in one issue there's even a part in this issue where teen lantern says well i won't bother you guys with my story and everybody goes no tell us your story um for this to be the sixth issue of this series and of like and we only find out in this issue how everybody got together and and these are just like one page things somewhere along the lines up to this issue i think we could have really um we could have re- th- this could have been told in a in a I, I think just a smoother way yeah mm. um it just feels like it, it, i'm not criticizing the the book as much because i love the characters i love this lineup i think that there's a lot of potential here but i feel like six issues for this this uh, gem world story is a little long, and then for us to wait six issues before you, you even or seven, it was wasn't there a zero issue? No, oh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Oh, there wasn't. There okay. might have been, but I doubt it. Uh, okay, so six issues before we even know what like 
about Superboy. It's like we get we we finally find out about Teen Lantern. Um, Amethyst gives a long explanation out of as to how how she came to be and what the gem world is all about. Robin talks about how he's looking for lost time. Um, it seems like the only character that actually was characters was her impulse and wonder girl. We know why they were, why they're there, but the other ones, it was all explained in this issue. And that's a little too much. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Exposition for one issue. I think I say, I, well, some of those things that you mentioned happen. Oh, hang on, let me go. Let me go back. Are you having the same structural issues with Naomi? Are you still reading that? No, this I, is, I kind of fell off of that this one. Is I'm not, just not this is this is very oddly normal for um, Bendis's books, especially his teen yeah. books. Like yeah. Ultimate Spider-Man was seven issues before he even got the costume. Yeah. Like I, I, don't know, I, I'm, I think I'm just a little bit. More, I, I like it's not discrediting. I think I'm just a little bit more used to the deconstructed story, the way that he dolls out the first volume, yeah, of his origin yeah. books. Like, yeah, to me this is like very slow, but then it ramps up really fast. I, I think if I just, you're reading this in it. trade, yeah. uh, it reads a lot quicker, and you're going to get to that. But uh, I mean, I don't. Is this a monthly book or by? It's been monthly. Has it? Yeah. So it's six months before we even get to like, yeah. hey, here's the here's who the characters are. Um, yeah. Especially so, I mean, and specifically, this group of characters in this book seem positioned for older readers who know who they are and are glad that they're back. This isn't a book that you just go, hey, children, enjoy this new comic book of teen heroes. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it introduces them in a way that is like, yeah, here's a brand new number one issue and here's all the characters and here's what they do. Well, yeah, also, yeah. like, to, to, to your point, Mark, too, like, it's, I think that in some ways, so I've actually, I've really liked this and enjoyed it, mm -hmm. but in some ways... Bendis had two masters to serve. So, like, he is starting this line and introducing, you know, air quotes, introducing these characters and a different story. But the current continuity of all these characters is disparate at best. Some of these characters. I, I get that. Did, well, no, I mean, like, this, I'm working I, it out for myself. Some of yeah. these characters weren't even in existence in the DCU. Exactly. So, yeah. like, that disjointed. I, I get it. I'm actually, I agree. But yeah, I think I, I was it, just ready it, for it. This feels like too much in one issue. I feel like yeah. they could have they could have peppered this in. Like Ginny could have been first issue, uh, second issue. We we, we learn about uh, Robin's quest to, to find out what's going on. It just feels like these little off offset scenarios and little explanations as to mm -hmm. like um, who's who and when what's what. I just feel like it could have been. Um, spread across these first five issues a little bit e more evenly. Yeah. And then, you know, just have one issue focus on one character. Like, I mean, like, I'm not saying like every other team book, but that's the classic way of doing this. And I think there's a reason why they used to do that in that way, because it, it, it works really well. Here, I feel like I'm not going to remember um, all the little details because it it didn't happen in a because it was all crammed into one issue like i i'm not going to remember that Ginny has tarantino's suitcase in the, <laughs> yeah. back of, in, in the back of her thing which was a little i mean that's a little too on the nose for me i don't know it was fun but 
I don't know. I don't know what they're going to say about it. I, I, you know what? I, I don't disagree with you. They, they, um, they jammed. He jammed a lot into this issue. Mm -hmm. It it could have been. It could have been. The arc could have been another. Could have been. It could have been. So, like, almost in a weird way, to solve this problem would be either eliminate something, which I don't think would be smart, especially like all of the balls that he's juggling, or to stretch it out another issue, or spread it out earlier in the run or earlier in the in the arc, which also would have given short trip to something else. It's like such a catch twenty two. I yeah. I get it, but I think I don't know. I guess I I guess I I was sold in like issue three. I was just going with it. I was sold on issue one, so yeah. it didn't bother. Like I totally see what you're saying because I'm thinking about it too. You're right. Like in one scene, they introduced the stakes for Ginny and um, uh, what's going on with Connor, and then Amethyst being essentially giving up or or agreeing to be banished. And, and like, Amethyst really, really, really explained. She explained everything about. Uh, gem world in this one too mm-hmm. and also like this is the first time anyone's even talked to teen lantern and she's actually showed herself and uh like as a like she they called her a nine-year-old but she's an 11 year old which that final panel which as badass as it is of all them standing in uh you know oh, on the next car? to each other no no on when they're just standing there over the knocked out opal oh yeah they're all just posing um these do not look like kids we need they need to look a little proportionately a little younger i think i think it's mainly just her yeah teen lantern does not look 11 she's the one that's that's oddly yeah but everyone else is in their what i guess 15 i guess yeah i guess we don't have a a super tall character an adult character with them yeah as to give you a, a bit of um she should, Relativity. Yeah. she should definitely be shorter. Yeah. yeah. She should be, yeah. She should oh, but be see, in the panel where they knock him out, she's yeah. very short. She is. She's yeah. very and, short. And I also think that, um, I always yeah. I always thought that Impulse was always very short as well. Oh, I see. So we've got, so Supergirl is standing behind Teen Lantern, but like in the very bottom panel there... Uh, before you turn the page, she's up to like a camera thing. Cassie's uh, Cassie Sandsmark? No, yeah, is that her? Um, her Jersey. shoulder. But then in the next panel, because of I guess we're we're at the worm's eye view where we're looking at the the guy. Um, the two of them are technically closer. Yeah. So yeah. so Team she Lantern looks taller. And, well, even impulse are technically. Closer. He's way up front. Yeah. So it's just it's a problem of like it's bad blocking. It's it's yes. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. But, but um, no, I, I like this book a lot. Hmm. I did too. I'm, I'm super into it. Um, I was really getting into it um, when uh, Superboy was working on the farm and he had that rake. And I was thinking, there's got to be an axe on that farm somewhere. And he could just smash Jenny and Ginny Hex in the face with it. Oh, that right. Just to make sure great. that she's nice and scarred. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. she lives up to her um, namesake. Yeah. Anytime yeah. I see a bladed instrument like in this just... book, I so that needs to be in Ginny Hex's face. <laughs> so brutal. <laughs> I'm just waiting. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, you can email us an axe to the face if you want to 
Email us at cultpopgo at gmail.com. You can tweet at me at JD's Hero Complex. You can help the show out by going to Patreon slash Johnny Destructo and throw us a couple ducats. Noel, where can they find you? Um, I'm, I mean, if, you, if you're familiar with social media mm-hmm. and all of the way that people can thwirl twits at each other, yeah. I'm there. Uh, Mr. Bartocci, yeah. M-R-B-A-R-T-O-C-C-I. And Mark underscore L underscore Miller, tell us. I'm at mlmillerwrites, uh, dot com. Yeah, and? Also, uh, occasionally on uh, comiccon.com, where uh-huh. I uh, write reviews, and, horror reviews. Um, and on my website, you can see like what's happening in comics that I, that's going on. Which isn't a lot, but I have some stuff I'm working on. So. You have a Patreon that's too, fun. don't you? Oh, I do have a Patreon. It's it's ML Miller. Yes, Patreon ML Miller. There you go. All right, guys. And, Thank you. Oh. and oh. Mark underscore L underscore Miller on the Twitters. Oh, there we go. Yes. Anything else? Nope. We're done. We did it. Yay. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will talk at you later. Deuces. Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horrorcast, where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky! And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles, recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA. Yeah. This is